Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Talk about preparation because that's what I've been talking about for years. Preparation. And I believe we are moving into even a more be a more intense time of preparation. I want to share with you today because I believe it's God's calling us to, to get our, our lives in line with His will and what He's doing in the earth today. And I believe all these things we've been talking about are a part of that. I don't see that necessarily uh, as being just here at Lighthouse Fellowship, although we are we have a specific uh, uh, traveling that we're going down. But I see it across the body of Christ. We see things happening um, in, in the government. We see the corruption that's taking place, uh, severe corruption. We see uh, one side uh, seemingly wanting to go extreme to the left and others are trying to keep this thing to where people are uh, can prosper and and be blessed in this great country called the United States of America and yet we see so many that want to carry it off a cliff and we know in trying to uh, introduce and and perpetuate ideologies that have never worked and uh, we need to pray and i want to encourage you uh when the time to vote comes either vote early this year in Texas or vote on the day. I would vote early if I was you. Get in. And I mean, this is a, I believe, a very, very uh, serious election that's taking place uh, in the midterms here, where many times uh, the midterms, the House and the Senate sometimes can change hands. But I want to encourage you to vote because we like uh, the economy's doing, seems to be doing well, and some things are happening. We did not elect a preacher, okay? <laughs> we elected someone to make changes that are necessary. And so pray for our president, President Trump. Pray for the Congress, the Senate, and the House. And pray for uh, also the Supreme Court and, and all of Capitol Hill. As I've mentioned in the past, we need to pray for them. Pray for them. The Bible calls us to pray for those in authority. And so be in prayer. Be in prayer for our, our ministers and teachers and, and the gospel I believe we are moving into a time, a realm. I believe these, the preparation time is very, very, uh, and we, I want to use the word serious because that seems like I'm not a sensationalist, but I'll say we're moving into a treacherous time. I believe that God has given us a, a time period to repent and come back to Him. I believe those things are happening and there is those who will repent and it actually it repent on behalf of those who have gone astray, even if you believe your life obviously is cleansed, we always need to come before the Lord and, and seek His forgiveness for whatever, but we also realize we can stand in the gap as far as repentance for those that have sinned. What this, um, uh, obviously, this nation, as it's gone astray from the things of God. Be prepared. I'm going to look at it. One scripture, verse 13, in Matthew chapter 13, 25, verse 13. Jesus is speaking. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Matthew chapter 26, I'll read it to you. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised... I will go before you in Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. 
And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all of the disciples. What Peter said would not happen. Actually, it did happen. And all of the disciples betrayed and left the Lord. Now, we look over here in Acts chapter 3, where, uh, actually Acts chapter 4, let me read it to you, Acts chapter 4. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, which he's talking about the man at the gate called Beautiful, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is a stone which was rejected by you builders which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation any other, for there is no other name under heaven by which men shall be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. And he's talking about there, the man that was healed is the man that was at the uh, gate called Beautiful there, and he was a, be- he was a beggar. And remember there in Acts chapter 3 <clears throat> that Peter said, you know, silver no gold, I don't have any. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man got up and he walked and he started praising God, jumping around and worshiping and praising God. And so the obviously here the uh, religious people They were getting mad at what Jesus had done. They were not happy because this man had been healed. And so they've come here to Peter and and saying, how did you do this? And remember, Peter obviously got real bold and said, this man was healed by Jesus Christ, whom you crucified. They didn't like that because he was obviously confronting them with their sin and recognizing the fact that obviously Peter was bold in what he was saying, and he was not afraid. And so here, when Peter denied Jesus there before Jesus was crucified, we see him there, and he cowered there in front of a a, a young teenage girl, and now we see him speaking very boldly before the leaders of the religious sect. What was the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was doing it in the power of God. Things change when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the story would have been much different there. Matthew chapter 26, Peter had said to Jesus, even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Was Peter sincere? I believe he was. He was sincere at that time. 
because Peter was a man's man. He could take you on. He was a strong fisherman. He probably could fight pretty well in his own strength there. But he's in a different realm now. He's different. And, and things were changing, obviously, because realizing that we cannot, obviously, fight our spiritual battles in our own strength. It has to be done in the strength of the Lord. Now, there's a big difference between Peter thinking he was ready and really being ready. And that's what I want to talk to you today. And are you ready for what you may be called on tomorrow to do or to, to follow as we follow Jesus? Are you ready? Think about it. We may think we're ready, but are you really ready? You remember when David walked into the camp in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and uh, they were facing, the Israelites were facing the Philistines, and they were facing Goliath. We all know the story of Goliath there. And the uh, soldiers who were well-trained, well-armed, they were shaking in their boots. And here this little guy, David, comes into the camp. He didn't have armor on. He didn't have all the swords and the shields and, and all that, the spears. He only had a bag of food. What he says, he walks in. And so uh, David comes in and all and says, you know, that uh, I'll, I'll be used of the Lord to take care of this big giant here and all. And so David's preparations, when you think about it, were of a much deeper level. David's preparations were on a heart level. David had been on the hillside with a bunch of stinky sheep, never being noticed by anybody. He had not gone through Saul's training camp there of how to defeat the enemy, but he had gone through God's boot camp in preparation for what God had for him. And you see, what I believe today the church is in is in God's boot camp, getting prepared for what may happen tomorrow. You know, and, and all of us know because I've spoke of it, and you know my heart. My heart is in revival. Jesus is the only answer for this country. And so I, I am a, I'm a person who, who craves after the Lord's heart, but I also believe that obviously... I want others to come into the kingdom of God. I don't keep it to myself. And I believe that revival and awakening or even a reformation is what the church needs today to be able to confront the darkness that's coming into this nation. There's no other way. We can't do it in our own strength. And we need revival. We need a, a, a move of God's Spirit. The same way when, when Peter was filled with the Spirit of God, you and I need to be filled also on a continual basis. The Bible talks about that in Ephesians chapter 5. We'll never be able to be prepared in the way that God has obviously wanting us to be prepared for what, what lies in the future. So what's going to happen in the future? I have hope for America, okay? But I believe there'll be a mixture of persecution, but there'll also be revival. And whenever, obviously, darkness comes in, then we know God obviously raises up the light. Whenever the enemy comes in like a flood, the Bible says that, that the Lord raises up a standard against him. In other words, God will combat that if you and I are ready. Now, David was ready. He had been out there communing with the Lord on the hillsides with the sheep and all that. He had, had obviously performed what many call probably not, not even a menial task out there, shepherding the sheep. It was a very lowly paid job, so to speak. Not many people would take it. And yet David saw this as a time where he could, could get out there and commune with God. 
And so when he faced Goliath there, remember, he looked back and he saw and remembered that he killed the lion and the bear. He looked back and said that, you know, I can do this. And so there were several things about David in this story that I believe hold great spiritual significance for you and I. The first thing in preparations that we see David had gone through is that he submitted, it was submission. He submitted himself. You remember what happened. All the his brothers were in there before Samuel and uh, they thought they would want to, somebody was going to get anointed for king. And Jesse, their father, uh, was there. And Samuel came in and he said, basically, none of these are the ones that I'm looking for to anoint to be king over, over Israel and, and all. And uh, he said, is anybody else? And Jesse said, well, yeah, my son's out on the hillside there taking care of the sheep. And here comes the most unlikely person that you could ever imagine came walking in. And Samuel said, this is the one. And he anointed him. Isn't that great for you and me? You feel like maybe you're the most unlikely one to do anything for the kingdom of God and somehow to, to push the kingdom of God forward. You think that there, you don't have any gifts in that area and you may just be the one that God is preparing this day to get ready for what will happen in the future. You say, well, maybe, uh, I, I mean, I can't speak before the public. I don't, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable doing all of that. I like to do things behind closed doors. And you may be the person that God puts his finger on to anoint, to be able to obviously, when this revival takes place, it may be that you're used to somehow uh, perpetuate this revival, this move of God's spirit. You may be the least likely one in your own mind, and yet God's got his hand on you. Isn't that great? That's good news. That's good news. The question is, are we getting prepared? This first thing is submission. He submitted himself. He submitted. He, he was out there in that lowly estate as far as helping and shepherding, shepherding the, 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 the sheep that were out there. The second thing is, is that we see he had a humble heart. Remember, he took the harp and Saul had, had somehow taken on a demon because he was disobedient to the Lord. And so he, he wanted, uh, David was a musician. And David came in and played the harp, and it soothed Saul. Music has some type of, I believe, medicinal purposes there. And so he soothed heart, Saul's heart. And, and, and then he would go back out on the hillside, and he would tend the sheep. He went back and forth. But he took that task, and he, was, he, he did it to the best of his ability. In Ecclesiastes chapter 9, it says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. In other words, do the best you can. I've always told people that when God puts you in a position, it may not be the job that you thought you would like. It may not pay like you thought you it would pay. But God has placed you in that place. If you'll get there and you'll do it as unto the Lord, God will promote you in due season. I've always said that, people, because they want to start out. Many of the young people want to start out like their parents. Parents have worked up the, the corporate ladder or whatever ladder and so forth, and they want to start out in the same position as their parents. <clears throat> and I tell them that you need to do what God has called you to do and do it as unto the Lord to the best of your ability with His power and His strength, and God will promote you when He's ready to promote you. God will promote you. He has a way of doing that if you'll stay faithful. He's looking for people who will stay faithful. And David was very humble. 
one of the preparations. He submitted and he was humble. He said, Lord, whatever, whatever you want me to do. The third thing is, is in preparations, David worshiped the Lord. So David got a lot of time out there on the hillside worshiping and praying to the Lord. He communed with God in prayer and he worshiped the Lord there, even on his stringed instrument. And all that time, he was getting to know the Lord and he was developing, listen to this, he was developing a keen sense to be able to hear the voice of God. One thing I've tried to teach here, one thing that I think is so important, and that is, is we need to have a keen sense of listening to the Lord. God speaks when He wants. He's sovereign, but you need to be prepared You know, he, when He does speak because He will speak. He will share. He loves that through His Word, through circumstances, through people, through the still small voice. He speaks in different ways, but He still speaks today. He won't contradict His Word, but He still speaks to us today. Develop that. What am I saying this for? It's because the same steps David took are the steps that you and I need to take to prepare for what God has planned for us tomorrow and the next day and so forth. So he was a worshiper. We talked about that. Certainly in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. In other words, get along with God. And David simply enjoyed his relationship with God. I have got a grocery list of things that I bring before the Lord when I sit down before Him. And you know, He just wants your company. Isn't that something? He just wants your fellowship. He just wants you to sit there and many times not asking for anything, although He's willing to answer those prayers and just commune with Him back and forth. It's fellowship. It's like the friends. He says, you know, uh, Abraham was a friend of God. That blows me away. But that's how God sees us. He sees us as His children. He just wants us to sit at His feet. Remember there when Jesus was in town and Mary and Martha were... uh were, were there and Martha was in the kitchen. She was busy and doing all these things. And Mary sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to his voice because so often what we do, I believe even in the church today, is we begin and begin and we get in a lot of religious activities and we don't actually do maybe what God has specifically planned for us. There are good things that we're doing, but they may not be in the center of what God wants. And it's not, it's, it's because we haven't heard God. Listen to what God's saying. David communed with him just because he was God. And he loved to be in his presence. Just sit and wait upon the Lord. You know, you have time for God when nobody's looking above all else. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And the only way you can guard your heart is getting into the presence of the Lord on a regular basis. The only way you can do that. David was a great musician. He was a mighty warrior. He was a powerful and effective king. But none of that would have been true if he hadn't first and foremost been a man after God's own heart. You see, our society puts a lot of emphasis upon information and skilled training. God puts an emphasis on our heart condition. God looks at our heart. David did not look like the person that should have been anointed. And yet Samuel anointed him under the direction of God's spirit. And so when you 
feel like I, I don't have any place. Nothing's happening. Everything seems it'd be going wrong and all and so forth. And yet God is saying, I've got a place for you and I've got a plan for you. And none of the adversity that you have faced or I have faced had diverted us off of that plan. We seek the Lord and, and we pray to Him and we seek His face because God is looking for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. No matter what's happening in our lives, that's what He's doing. We see the fourth thing here is he, the, David was a warrior. He warred. There's spiritual warfare out there. He was obviously there in his private battles, but then... When the public battle came with Goliath, he was ready. He had already uh, obviously gotten ready and all. And so what was the key that he had the victory? The key is his faith. David had been faithful over a few things, and God made him ruler over many. And obviously it is motivated by loyalty in the heart there and saying, I will not give up. I will not back down. I will not. I will stand firm in what I know God has told me. So obviously, I want to just mention something I think is so important here. You know, when David put his line, his life on the line there in front of Goliath, obviously it provided salvation for Israel. But really, when you think about it, what was the primary motivation that David had? What really stirred David for the battle was Goliath's assault on the honor of God. He says here in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And so David saw this Philistine defying the honor of God Almighty. Let me give you a little example about that. And it won't be completely in line, but see if you can connect what I'm going to say. Cindy and I's grandson, Rex. We love him. He, Rex loves his Mimi. And uh, he'll go right to her. The other night, he, um, he said, I want uh, a PB and J sandwich. So... Uh, his daddy went in and started making a PB&J sound. He went, no, I don't, want, I don't want you to make it. I want Mimi to make it. So Mimi goes in and makes it. Okay. And so he sat down, and, and then he goes over there, and Mimi was talking to, to Jeremy and I, and we were standing there, and he stand, Rex is standing there going, Mimi, I want you to sit with me. So Mimi goes over and sits with Rex. Okay, you all know how that is. We take Rex to speech therapy every Tuesday morning. And so one morning I was sitting there and he was getting ready to go back with the therapist, Rex was. And this little boy came over and I was sitting and he stood at my, right by my knees there and started jabbering to me. And I couldn't understand what he was saying. I went, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Rex was over there in the other part of the room. And he comes over and I notice out of the corner of my eye, he comes over and he grabs me by the leg and he turns and looks at the little boy with this type of look and says, this is my pop. <laughs> like, he's mine and you need to back off. <laughs> the little boy walked on off. You know what David said? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God. You better back off. 
You see, David was upset because it dishonored the name of the Lord, his God. You know what? I've been in places today and these guys in their pickup trucks and the doors will swing wide open and there'll be music with lyrics like I'm going, oh my goodness, that I've never heard in my life before. Some language like I've never heard, a degradation of women like I've never heard, and they're broadcasting it. And I want to look at it. The guy wasn't so big. I would go over there and say, shut your door, boy. But you see, when you hear the name of Jesus defamed, when you see and God and how it's spoken of and all, it's not against flesh and blood, but it is, it's indignant in that sense. We need to have a holy indignation in saying, who is this? Who is this enemy that's causing these people to do and to fall into the trap of what we see happening in our society today? We ought to also take a stand and say, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I'm not going to put up with these people who continue to push for abortion or continue to, to push for the way that would push this country over a cliff. I'm not going to stand for it anymore. And I need to stand up for righteousness. Just like Rex, this is my pop. This is my God. You see? It's very, very serious that we, you and I, not, we're not against people. And Tony Evans spoke of it very well this morning. It's against, obviously, the principalities, powers of darkness that, as Tony said, uses them as a conduit and uses them as their, his, his, obviously, his mouthpiece. They don't know it. And you and I need to have the love of Christ that will shine and blow that demon out of their lives. But we need not tolerate it. We need to take a firm stand. And where God leads us, we need to stand up for righteousness. I want to tell you, if God's people don't stand up, who's going to stand up? If God's people don't, don't, who's going to stand up? No one is. Nominal people that are not prepared for what we are getting ready to face in the church and in the society today will not stand up. They'll back down. And until we make the commitment that we will not back down and we will stand for righteousness and we're not going to tolerate this stuff and it may mean getting off our duff and going to the ballot box and pulling the lever for those that we believe or obviously can lead this, continue with the country. Obviously, we're not electing preachers. We're electing people. But we need to look for the righteousness that are in people's lives. What's happening today is just the opposite. If we don't, then we'll be carried away like a flood. But God is preparing us. I've told you, we are being prepared. And I believe it is certainly. Things are ramping up here, certainly. You know, Polycarp was a bishop of Smyrna. And he had been a pupil of the Apostle John. And at 86 years old, he was facing martyrdom. The Roman proconsul offered to set him free if he would deny Christ. And listen to his answer. He said this, 86 years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How then can I blaspheme my king and my savior? His loyalty to the, to, his loyalty to the person of Jesus Christ, his king, 
fortified him to stand up in the hour of temptation. Unwavering loyalty to Jesus was the preparation that empowered him at that particular moment. The Romans burned him at the stake, but they couldn't get him to compromise Christ. What would happen if we did not deny Christ that we would face a firing squad or we would be burned at the stake? What would happen if we did that? Is your, your obviously your, your devotion to Jesus and your commitment to Jesus enough to carry you through the grace of God, trusting in Him? You go, well, that ain't happening here, Jim. Come on. Oh, it can happen very, very quickly. And we need to be prepared. We need to be ready. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5 says this, If you have run with the footmen and they have wearied you, then how can you contend or run with horses? In other words, if we're not prepared now in these trials, and I don't say they're, they're minimal, I don't minimize them at all, don't get me wrong, but I'm talking about what's coming. If we can't go through these trials and honor and have faith in God to deliver us, then how we're going to get through trials that are a lot worse? How will, what will happen when we're, there's persecution to take place? We're called to sacrifice, whatever it may mean. How are we going to do it? We run with the footman and we are weary, we're tired. How are we going to really run with the horses and run a lot faster and a lot stronger? Let me tell you, now is the time to build your relationship with Jesus Christ and with the Holy Spirit. It's too late when temptation comes knocking at your heart's door. It's too late when the devil attacks if you've not put on the whole armor of God. It's too late then. David's, Daniel, uh, the devil's strategy, I believe, is this, and it's Daniel 7. I'll not forget this, and y'all don't forget it either. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and plan to change times and law. The devil is in the business of wearing out the saints, making them tired and weary because of the particular trials and, and tribulations that people go through. He will wear you out to a point to where you just sort of lay back and you become apathetic. You never, obviously, praise God, we won't deny the Lord, but we become apathetic. David was prepared. We are in a season of preparation there. And David said in verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17, You come with me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into my hands. Let's get that attitude, church. Let's get it down in our hearts. Make the declaration. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. That's the armies of God. And this day, I will defeat the enemy of depression. I, this day, I will defeat the enemies, or whatever it may be that you're facing in life. This day, declare it over that day. And then walk in it, because it's truth. And lies cannot stand in the face of truth. It's truth. 
Jesus had a lot to say about preparation. Remember what happened with the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25 there, verse 13? They were five were wise and five were foolish. They were all ready. They were anticipating. They were all anticipating the bridegroom. They all had their lamps trimmed, but some didn't carry extra oil. The five foolish ones were not prepared. And remember what happens there, Matthew chapter 25, verse 13 of the parable. You remember, five said, can you give us some of your oil? Because y'all got extra oil here. And they said, no, we may need this oil. And so you'll have to go get your own. They weren't prepared. And they went, and, and the, while they were going, the bridegroom came and they shut the door. And the door shut permanently. He came back and knocking on the door. We can't get in. We're not ready. They weren't ready. And the door shut. You remember what happened to Noah in the flood? He was telling about the, that God was getting ready to judge and all. And, and uh, he built the ark. They laughed at him. They, they were partying, having a good time. The day we drink and, and eat and be married because tomorrow we die. And, and they went when it started raining. Remember what happened? And they shut the door, obviously, symbolic of Jesus. Jesus is the door. They shut the door and they were banging on the ark. Let us in, let us in, we're drowning. And it was too late. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of preparation. Why I preach this, why I teach this, is why I talk about it all the time, is because you and I are in a time of preparation that's very, very, I believe, serious there. We're negligent as far as our relationship with Christ. I believe that obviously the door may be shut. Not that we lose our salvation, but I believe it would be in the sense of, of that we'll, we'll somehow miss out on the things that God has for us. In 1995, an Assemblies of God church in Pensacola, Florida was having a Father's Day service. And suddenly the Holy Spirit swept through the congregation over the next five years, four million people came to the revival and 200,000 people were saved. But they were prepared. Two years earlier, the church had begun praying for revival. Revivals tend to break out among people who are hungry and have a position, have positioned themselves to receive it. And I might say, have been prepared. 200,000 people in that. I, I remember the revival quite well. I wanted to go. I, I was involved with hospice. I never attended. But I know people who went. And people there. Many came from all over the world to Pensacola, Florida, because there was a revival taking place. 200,000 people got saved in that revival. Are we prepared? I want to tell you, when I look at the future of America, I see that opportunity. Yes, there's adversity and there is ad adverse direct uh, directions and so forth. There's moral decline. There's a disregard for human life. There is mounting national debt, but there's God. He's an ever-present help in our time of trouble, the Bible says. Will I be prepared and available for what God ha is about to do? And sometimes when I look at people's lives today, and I pray that not be Lighthouse Fellowship, and that may not be, that might not be my life, I want to tell you, because I want to be prepared today. But I see so many Christians today busy with everything else today. I think I can share this. E.T. is taking care of estates of, of his brother and so forth, and, and E.T.'s a hard worker and all. And he was telling me coming in, and he said, you know, Jim, he says, I, I, I put it out there 
that I'll give this stuff away because I, I can't handle it. And E.T.'s obviously working to get this stuff distributed, to get it away from those who've passed away. His brother passed away here recently. And he said, I, I'm, you know, I, I've got, he said, surprisingly, he said, we're not even putting a, a, a price on it. He said, I just want to give it away. And he said, I can't give it away. I can't even give this stuff away. And I said, you know why that is? And he said, no. I said, it's because we've got so much stuff that nobody needs anything. There's storage houses, I've always said. There's one where close to where I live. It, I don't know how many stories it is, but it's a huge building of storage. Pay. We don't even need it. And I'm saying today that we're busy about all the other things, but our relationship with God that will last throughout eternity is not being touched. People are not in the church house. People are doing their own thing because they're busy. I don't have time. The freeway coming down 45 today was as busy as I've seen it in a long time. And I thought it would be light because there's rain in the area. And they're headed to Galveston. Or they're headed over here in the bay and so forth. And I look at people out on the streets and doing different things today. And they're not in the church house learning the Word of God. Let me tell you today, we have an opportunity to get prepared. You and I, because we've heard the good news. You and I need to get ready and prepared. God is doing this. You know, people will put God on hold and they think that somehow they can rub the jar and the genie will come out and, and answer prayers. And yes, God is full of grace and mercy. But let me tell you, the door may be shut at some point. That door may be locked. And then that's it. What should we prepare for? Persecution and revival, I believe. All the same time. God, get anchored into your commitment with Christ. Believe that. Be prepared for persecution. And that means getting wholeheartedly and fully, fully committed to Christ now. Get ready for preparation for revival. And that means that we need to be wholeheartedly and fully committed to Christ now. Whatever it may be. I'll say this in closing. I've been talking a lot about rebuilding of David's tabernacle. Come and join us on Wednesday night. We've got some good teaching going on in there. Good fellowship. Good food. we got good cooks in this church. Let me tell you, I love it. I'll tell you, I wouldn't miss it on Wednesday night. It don't make any difference. Wild horses couldn't pull me away from this place. We love it and the fellowship and the love and, and uh, the teaching about this and the spirit of, of the rebuilding the tent, uh, David's tabernacle in our hearts and also in corporately. Uh, come and join us. But let me tell you, it's about praise and worship. It's about our, our relationship with God. Thank God. Hallelujah. It's about the things of God and how we can build ourselves up in Jesus. Amen. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and do that on a daily basis. Put him on. Put on the whole armor of God. Put every piece on. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace, which obviously they're shod with the shoes of peace there. Also, we hold up the shield of faith, which extinguishes all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And obviously, put on the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ, and will the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Offensive weapon right there. Use it against the devil. This is what God says. I'm a child of God. And I'm not going to move. I'm going to stand. And when Goliath comes at you, you and I will be ready. 
when persecution or whatever it may be, you and I be ready. And, and we know our lamps will be over full and flowing, symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says to be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Ask Him. Ask Him. Come before Him regularly. He does that. He said if bad fathers will give good gifts to their children who ask Him, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He's just waiting. He loves to be able to just fill us up and let us overflow in the Holy Spirit of God. But let me tell you, rebuilding David's tabernacle is, is certainly, that is, it's just a part of what God is doing. Because I believe that God is raising up worshipers who are after His own heart. I believe just like David was a man after God's own heart, I believe in you and I that something's happening down deep in your heart and my heart that I can't explain. Making us, wanting us to be a man and women and children after God's own heart here. If you're concerned about what man may think of you, you'll not be able to stand. The Bible says, obviously, forsake your family. That does not mean to hate your family. It means that Jesus has to be first in your life and you can't worry about what man says. You cannot worry about this and that. You've got to do what God tells you to do. You can't worry about the murmuring and the complaining and the gossiping and all that stuff that shouldn't be anyway. You've got to give your whole heart wholly, wholeheartedly to the Lord. Religious people say we've never done it that way before. Let me tell you, get ready. You ain't seen nothing yet. The seven last words of the church, we've never done it that way before. You know, when the cloud moved by day and the fire by night, they moved, they got up. They didn't know where they were going. Did they know where they were going? No. Neither do you and I, but I know who, obviously, when Abraham said his eyes are upon that architect whose building is God Almighty. We're headed towards our destiny in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's where we're going. Our destiny in Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 43 says, See, I'll do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not be, be uh, aware of it? In other words, revival. He said, behold, I'm doing a new thing. You know, it, it, God says, I don't change, but you've got to change. I've got to change. And I've got to get on in on what he's doing. He's already working. If you, you and I will get in on it. We're going to enter new territory in places we've never been before. We must be very sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. The way we've operated and did things in the last season is not the way we're to enter and obviously to move in the next season. That's all. The new wineskins and the new wine is being poured out. Are we ready? Are you prepared? The only way you're going to be prepared is strengthen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Get in communion with Him just like David was. And he was ready to fight the giant. He didn't look like it because he didn't have all the natural things. But remember what God looks at? He looks at the heart. He looks at my heart and your heart. Are you ready? You know, you say, but Jim, you've been talking about this for a long time. Yeah. Could it be that God is so full of grace and mercy that he has not released all of this stuff that we know could happen because he's waiting for his people to get ready? Is he looking to your life and my life to say, I want you to get ready, get prepared? Get prepared. Put on the forearmor of God. Get before the Lord. Develop and, and work on your communion with the Holy Spirit of God.
Get to know the Holy Spirit. He's here. He's precious. He's a, he's a he. We may teach on him here in the future and talk about he is a he. He's here right now. He's in you and me if you're saved, born, born again. He gives you power to overcome the temptations and all the trials we've gone through. He is the one that comes to live within us and who is with us. Get to know him. Talk to him. Commune with him. Tell him you love him. Whatever is on your heart, he listens. He's there. God listens to you. He loves to hear his people praising. That's why when I come in as a celebration, it's a celebration because Christ has set us free. Amen. Are you ready? You ready? I don't know what the future holds because I see things happening very, very quickly. The Bible says in Daniel that knowledge will increase very in the end times, the very end or the last days, very, very quickly. And that's what's happening, isn't it? Look at the technology that's changing. Look at the knowledge that, that now we have versus the beginning of our lifetime. Relatively short. Get prepared. You want to get in before the door is shut. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, your truth. And help me, help us all to get prepared, get ready. Be prepared. We thank you for what you're doing, but Lord, we know we need to get ready. And so help us. We just ask by your spirit. Teach us these things that you're showing us, whether it be the rebuilding of David's tabernacle, or whether or not it be the things, the new things that he may be doing, you may be doing in each person's life in here. Teach us. Show us the way, Father. Help us, Holy Spirit. Just align with the will of God. That's all we want to do, is to be at the center of the will of God. And I just pray these things today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.